Hi everyone, my name is Louis Skippish. I'm the lead pastor of Prodeo Church. And I am so glad that some of you came out tonight. Although the World Cup, the Soccer World Cup final is on. So um, we've got a bunch of French people in our church and I've been giving them a hard time telling them that Croatia is going to win. And they have told me that as their pastor, I am not allowed to vote for Croatia. So... Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on at the moment. I heard that France was leading. Are they still leading? 4-2, uh, 4-2. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you might get some updates throughout the service from the back. I'm not sure. And then we had some other sad news, and that is that the first male in like a super long time South African dude made it to the Wimbledon finals, but he sadly lost, so we're not going to even... You know, call him on his name. We're so sad about that. But um, yeah, I'm glad that you guys are still here um, tonight as we continue our series Marked by Love. We are at part seven tonight. So this week, Erin, if you haven't met Erin yet, um, you can go and meet her after the service. She's an intern that, that came to serve in our children's ministry all the way from Baltimore. And we had an interesting conversation because she used to be an au pair. So she took care of all kinds of children from really little ones to like medium ones. But what is interesting to me is, since you learned, if you don't know yet, my wife is pregnant, and since our baby's on the way, these weird conversations always tend to come out. I don't know why. So we started having a conversation about changing diapers. And I'm like, I have a serious issue with that that I hope I will get over. But she was like, give me a diaper any day, but just don't give me that baby spit. You know, like... Yeah, that white stuff that sometimes run off the arms of dads, like that, that's what we're talking about. She's like, I can change a diaper, I can handle that, but not spit. And what is interesting to me, spit has amazing power to change your direction in life. I don't know if you guys ever had this thing in high school, but I remember when I was in high school, you had to make sure that you were, when you were walking like in the hallways, you had to make sure that you were under the roof, because if you were next to the roof, you would just hear like, bloop. And then you would see like a drop of spit hitting the floor. And you know that someone on a higher level was trying to, as they would say, gop on your head, right? Someone was trying to spit on your head. And you would be heading like this way. And then you would just hear that sound like, boop, and you would immediately change direction. And it is interesting to me how powerful spit can be that we are like, you know, don't bring that stuff close to me. I will change my direction. I will walk in a place where I don't want to walk as long as that doesn't come close to me. So tonight, we will be in part seven of our series, Marked by Love, and we will be talking about spit because Jesus used spit to, to do a miracle, and that is saying it a nice way. He actually spit on someone. That's the way the Bible says it. So we're going to be reading that tonight, but we're also going to be talking about life change. The journey to life change. How's a miracle that you spit could change someone's life forever? So our topic tonight, part seven of our series, Marked by Love, our topic is the journey to life change. So we will be reading from Mark 8. Um, if you've got your Bible here, you can open to Mark 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can download it on your phone, the Bible app, Vision Bible app. But it will also be on the screen. So throughout the series, as we're going through the book of Mark, looking at the, at the life of Jesus through the eyes of this man named Mark who wrote it all down, 
We gave you a challenge, and we said, like, what we're reading is just a little part of the life of Jesus in this book. So go and each week, go and read the chapter that we are busy with so that you can get a better picture of who this Jesus is and what that means, what his life and his actions mean to someone like me who, are, who might be following Jesus. So if you're following Jesus, this is very relevant to you. If you don't know Jesus yet, this might... <clears throat> That's when you don't have enough spit is you get a frog in the throat. So anyway, if you don't know Jesus yet, this might be a good opportunity for you to really like see what he is all about. So this week we are in Mark 8 from verse 22 to verse 26. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Mark 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, so that is Jesus, with a bunch of people who were following him, including his disciples. A disciple is someone who followed Jesus, who was taught by Jesus, that Jesus prepared to one day take over his ministry. So some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes... He laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around and he said, Yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, Don't go back into the village on your way home. So that's what we're going to read tonight. These are the kind of stories that often Christians don't even know they are in the Bible because you see the miracle, you see the part of someone who could see, but you don't always see the part in between. Or this might be one of those stories when other people talk about Jesus who, who are not interested, who's not interested in Jesus. You might be avoiding stories like this because like, my Jesus, he never spit on anyone. But it is interesting when I read the story about how something like spit could change the direction of someone's life forever. And that is what we'll be talking about tonight. And I believe this is relevant for you, whether you are new to the Christian faith. So if you walked into this thing um, a month ago, a week ago, a day ago, and you're like, I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to learn more about the story of life change. This will be relevant to you tonight because you will hear how you can continue on this process. If you have been a Christian your whole life and sometimes you've been on this path and everything didn't go according to plan, your journey didn't always look like the way you hoped, then this will be relevant for you as well. But if you're not a Christian, just stick with us. This will be amazing to you as well because you could hear something tonight that might just have the potential to change your life. As I was reading through this, the first thing that really came to mind when I read this was that our stories don't always go as we expect them to go. We all have this plan in our minds, like this, this plan about my career, this plan about my family, this plan about what car I'm going to drive or where I will live in five years or ten years' time. And we have the same plans often about our spiritual life, especially when it comes to the beginning of a new year and we make New Year's resolutions and we're all excited about what we're going to do. And then we create all kinds of plans about what the journey of our life is going to look like. When I read this story, I immediately realized that often things don't turn out the way we were hoping for. 
When these people came to Jesus, and Mark is a very powerful writer. He takes everything that happened, and he just condenses it down to a really short story. But this, these couple of verses has a lot of things in between that, that he didn't tell us about. So some of this, I had to just think like, what would I do if I were in the shoes of the blind man? But when I started reading this story, these people came to Jesus with a very specific expectation that Jesus was capable of changing a crisis in this man's life. He came to Jesus, he was blind, and he might have heard a story that Jesus has helped other people who were blind to see. He might have heard a story that Jesus casted out some demons somewhere. He, he could have heard so many stories. Maybe a friend told him, maybe he just heard it along the grapevine. But when he came to Jesus, he came with an expectation, and he believed that this Jesus could change something in his life. Maybe you have been there as well. Maybe you are here tonight, although you might not be sure about this Jesus yet. Maybe you are here because you've heard that he can change your life. Maybe you are sitting here tonight and you've been following Jesus for five years or for ten years. And still you would know, as I know, that there's still things in my life that need to change. That I've tried to change on my own that I can't change. And therefore I go to Jesus because I hope that he can help me to change the things in my life that I'm struggling with so much. Whether that's a relationship crisis whether that's an illness that you're stuck with, whether it's a sin or an addiction that you cannot break with. But these people came to Jesus with an expectation, and then things didn't turn out, I think, the way they hoped it would turn out. Because when they went to Jesus, they're like, Jesus, just touch him, and he will see. And he's like, nope. First thing I'm going to do is, I'm going to touch him, but I'm not going to make him see. I'm going to lead him out of the city. So can you imagine for a blind man, if you cannot see, your surroundings that you're familiar with is really important to you because you know where it's safe for you to walk and where it's not safe for you to walk. But Jesus, instead of healing this blind man in this moment that he hoped he would be healed, takes him by the hand. Jesus doesn't heal him immediately. He, he doesn't heal him in this point of time when this man hoped that he would see again. But Jesus takes him by the hand. He leads him out of the village. And he's kind of like, you have to wait a little while, but we're going somewhere else first. And then he's like, okay, am I going to see, am, am I going to see now? Is something going to happen now? We're outside of the village. And then he hears a weird sound and he feels something wet on his eyes. And he realized that Jesus just spit on his eyes. Now, it's so interesting when you go and read about this, like in commentary, and theologians have been talking about this so many times. And they will be like, yeah, but it's Jesus. So it's Holy Spirit, right? Let me give you a quick example. If I had a glass here. And I would spit in this glass, and I told you, like, I will give you 500 rand to drink my spit. Would you do it? What if I told you I will give you the glass, you spit in it, and then you drink it? Will you do that? Some of you say yes, but a lot of you still say no. The people who said yes are the really weird people. But uh, the rest of us, it's pretty normal. We are like, no, I'm not going to spit in a glass and drink my own spit. And do you know what's so funny? Our body produces between one and two liters of spit every single day. And it's really important. We really need it. It helps to digest your food. It helps you to swallow. Without it, you would probably not be able to, to eat. There's so many functions and so many things that's important about the spit in our mouths. You, you have it in your mouth right now. But as long as it stays inside, we're good with it. When it comes out, we're like, this is not cool, man. It's good inside. It's bad outside. And what is interesting, you can talk about this any way you want. 
But at that point of time, I didn't think this guy was like, oh yes, I just got some holy spit on me. I think he was, he had that spit on him and at that moment he might have felt humiliated. Because if you look at a movie or anything, who do you normally spit on? Your enemy, right? The people who tied you up. The people that you don't like. The people who killed your parents or whatever happened in the movie. You don't ever see a friend spitting on another friend unless you watched Ace Ventura Pet Detective like years ago. But I don't think this was cool for this dude. I think he might have been humiliated. Standing there and he was hoping that he would have already been healed and, and then Jesus didn't heal him immediately and now he's standing there with spit on his eyes and Jesus asked him, can you see now? And maybe with some disappointment he said no. He's like, yeah, I can see something but I can't see. I can see something that looks, I think it's people, but it looks like a tree almost. I see a structure and it's moving around, but I'm not sure what it is. And this could sound, you could think like this is exciting to him because he was blind and now I can see something. But when you go to Jesus, when you go to someone and you have an expectation and you know that he can heal you with just the touch of his hands or with, by just speaking a word and you open your eyes and all you can see is some blurry images, you are not excited. You're disappointed probably. And what I learned from the story as I went through this is that you and I have probably somewhere in our life felt like this as well. Have you ever in your life felt like you were worse off after you've had an encounter with Jesus? You gave your life to Jesus and you were praying about a crisis. You were praying about a family member that was going through a really difficult time. And you prayed for that person every single night for weeks. And it turned into months and it turned into years. And still nothing happened. And you're like, God, can't you just do something about this? Or maybe you're in a really bad situation at work and you've been praying that God will open a new door for you and you see something like you go for an interview and you're like, yes, finally something happens and then the door closes and then it happens again and you're like, yes, another interview, something happened and then it closes again and you still don't have a job and you're like, Jesus, seriously, like when will you come through to me? How far do I still have to go before something in my life will change? Maybe you felt like you were worse off because you were humiliated after you've turned to Jesus. Maybe you decided to give your life to Jesus and you were challenged to share it with someone else and you shared it with your friends and they made fun of you. They called you a Jesus freak. And they said like, oh, you're one of those people now. You're all holy now. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm just trying to, to follow after Jesus. But it humiliated you. Maybe you've trusted God for something that he placed on your heart and you were bold enough to talk about it. You were bold enough to share it with other people and then it didn't come through and you felt humiliated. Maybe you felt worse off after you've started to follow Jesus because there was still uncertainty in your life and you were hoping that if you follow Jesus, that suddenly there would be certainty in your life. Suddenly you wouldn't have to worry about your job. Suddenly you won't have to worry about your marriage that's falling apart. But still... Still, everything isn't perfect. Still, everything doesn't make sense. And you're like, there's so much uncertainty. And I thought I would be better off with Jesus, but it doesn't feel that way. I have felt like that. I've been following Jesus for as long as I can remember. But sometimes I have felt like I've given a massive step in faith. 
And then I felt humiliated because I didn't see the result that I was hoping for. Or I've trusted God with something for a really long time and it just didn't happen. And I'm like, I feel disappointed. I read the story and although we don't read that this guy was disappointed, I think he might have been at that moment. He might have thought like, I thought this Jesus can really do miracles. As I read through this, I'm like, why so often in life are our expectations not met when it comes to our relationship with God? Why are we sometimes left humiliated? Why are we sometimes left in a crisis? Why are we sometimes feeling like this is never going to happen? Why do, why do I feel all this uncertainty in my life? Is it because Jesus has let us down? Is it because God is not capable of doing what he has promised? Or could it be that I went into this thing with the wrong expectation? And when I think back about my life, about the times that I felt humiliated, about the times that I felt that I had to wait longer than I was hoping for, or when I felt uncertain, or when I felt disappointed, the problem was most of the time not with Jesus, but often it was with my expectation that was wrong. Because we think we know better than God. It's interesting when these guys showed up, they go to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, if you just touch him, you will be healed. Who says Jesus wanted to touch him? Maybe Jesus would have just spoken a word. Why didn't he just go to Jesus and say, like, Jesus, have mercy on me? They go to Jesus with a very specific request because they believed that if Jesus touches this man, then he would see. It's kind of like going to a nuclear physicist and telling him that you can invent a better nuclear reactor than he can. Or going to an astronaut and telling him that you know how to fly a spaceship or walk on the moon better than Neil Armstrong. Or it's like going to a race car driver and telling them that you can beat their time around the lap, a lap around the the race course. Or it's like watching sport on TV rugby or soccer, and you're commentating from this side of the TV about how they should be playing. It's like, I know how those rugby players should be playing. I know how those soccer players should be playing. It's like, seriously, if you knew it that well, you would have been either the coach or the player, right? But we do it with God. We go to God, the creator of the universe, the God who spoke a word, and the world came into into existence. We go to the God who a lady who had like illness for years just touched like the edge of his clothes and she was healed. We go to that God and we believe that we can tell him the best way he should sort my life out. We think we know better. And often our expectations are not met. Often we have to wait or we're humiliated or we're disappointed. Not because there's something wrong with God. Not because he's not capable. But because you and I had a wrong expectation. We thought we know better than God. But here's the reality. We see this much of the picture. If you watch a movie and you hit pause, that scene, that's what we see at this moment. God sees the whole movie. He sees everything. He sees your whole life from before you were created till after you will die. And he knows what is best for you. But we come and we see one scene and we believe that we know what is better. 
I believe that God, if you will just give me this promotion and this amount of money, my life will be sorted out. Or God, if you just heal this illness in this way, everything will be perfect. And we even make deals with God, right? We even go like, God, if you do this, then for the next year, I will be in church every single week. We think we know better, and then at the end of the day, we're disappointed. Not because there was a problem with God, but because there was a problem with our wrong expectation. One of the biggest mistakes we make is that we believe Christianity is like a magic button that you push and suddenly, poof, everything in your life is perfect. Christianity is not a one-step program. It's not you're here and everything in your life is falling apart, and then you press a button and Poof, you're in a place and you live in an awesome house. You have no more marriage problems. You have no relational problems. Your finances are all sorted out and everything in your life is peachy and rosy. That's not Christianity. You see, Christianity and the life change that comes with it is a journey. And it is a journey that is unique to your story. It is not a process, it's not a program with five steps that you can go through and then suddenly your life is sorted out, or suddenly you've got a good relationship with Jesus, or suddenly you stop doubting, or suddenly you trust God perfectly, or suddenly your marriage is repaired. It's not a, a process that I can say, like, these are the five steps, take them and everything will be okay. It is a process, it's a journey, but it will be unique to your story and it will be unique to my story. And we see it in the story when Jesus healed this man. He healed this man differently than he has ever healed anyone before. Jesus, after this, and he is asking, like, can you see? And he's like, no, I can't really see. Jesus touches him again, and Jesus, can you see now? And he's like, yes, perfectly. Nowhere else in the Bible did Jesus ever have to do something two times before the miracle occurred. He spoke words and people saw. He touched them and people saw. He did all kinds of things and people just saw. So what was up this day? Did Jesus forget to have his morning coffee? Did he get out of bed with the wrong foot? Like what was going on? Was he off his game that he couldn't heal this man immediately that day? No, he wasn't. You see, but life change is a journey that's unique to your and my story. And the life change that happened in the life of this blind man, his journey with Jesus, his life change was a process that was unique to his story. So why did he have to wait? Why did Jesus spit on his eyes? And why didn't it happen in one step? I think because Jesus, because he took the whole picture into an account, Jesus knew that if he healed this man in this massive city where people are streaming towards Jesus to see the miracles he would do, if this man could see and he's surrounded by a thousand people with prying eyes on him, everyone wants to know like what he can see and what color looks like. Can you imagine how overwhelming this must have been for that man or could have been for him? I don't know if that's a reason, but I think maybe Jesus led him away to a quiet place outside of the village, outside of the city. And Jesus is like, let me heal you here so that everyone won't overwhelm you. Can you imagine if you can't see and suddenly you can see how, how many emotions must just go through, you, through, through your body, through your mind, through everything? If you've watched some of those videos where people who are colorblind get those special glasses that help them see color, 
It is so emotional. And they could see, they just couldn't see color. This guy couldn't see, and suddenly he sees like Jesus, I think, took him away because Jesus is like, I wanna, I wanna give you a space to just enjoy this miracle and go through all the emotions without thousands of people bothering you about this. Jesus said afterwards, go home. Don't go into the city. Don't even go and tell people. Why? Because maybe this man had a family. Maybe he had children. And Jesus is like, listen, this is not the time for everyone to freak out about this miracle. This is not the time for you to explain to them about how you can see. This is a time for you to go home, to pick up your daughter or to pick up your son and for the first time in your life, see what they look like. See, our stories are not all the same because Jesus takes the complete picture into account and he cares about your story. You don't see everything. You don't even think about it. You might be thinking like, yeah, you know, I would love to be healed in this major city so that people could go crazy about me, so that I could be on TV. You might think that now, but it might not be the reality. Because let me tell you, if I couldn't see my wife... And we've been married eight years, and suddenly I can see the first thing I would want to see is her face. Not the faces of thousands of other people. See, God cares about our lives. He cares about our story. And therefore, it will always be different. Therefore, you will sometimes have to wait. Because what you think might be best for you now might not be best for you. Giving a 16-year-old kid a Ferrari... And telling him to go down the highway as fast as he wants is not the best thing for him. Sometimes the best thing for that kid is to give him a bicycle and say, paddle your heart out, buddy. God cares about the complete story. Why did Jesus use spit? The thing that we like when it's inside of us but not when it's outside. You see, spit was this it is this overlooked thing. We don't even think about it in our mouths. Unless I, I tell you about it, then you might be feeling like, you know, what do I do with all of this? But we overlook it. We don't even think about it. It's like one of the most basic things in our bodies. And I think Jesus used that miracle. He could have used some special oil. He could have just touched the man. But I think Jesus used... This part of who he is that's so overlooked to teach this blind man a lesson. Because if you go to John 9, John is another gospel, another book that tells a story about Jesus. In John 9, there's a similar story about a blind man. You see, and they were not just blind. Back then, people believed that if you are blind, it was a curse. A curse that was put on you either because your parents sinned or because you had sin in your life. And therefore, God cursed you. So they were people who were overlooked. They were people who, were, who people would kind of walk around. People would walk around them and kind of not spend time with them because they are cursed, because they are unimportant, because they don't matter. And Jesus takes this thing that, that we don't even think about, this thing that's overlooked, and he puts it on this man's eyes. And in John 9, he actually mixes his spit with mud, another overlooked thing, a thing we don't care about with dirt, and he puts it on the man's eyes. And he thinks Jesus did that to tell this man, if I can take this overlooked thing and do a miracle with that, imagine what I can look, do with your life. And you might be overlooked. 
You might feel like people don't care about you. You might feel like you are cursed, or you might feel like you're not important or whatever. But if God, if Jesus could do a miracle with spit, imagine what he can do with your life. You see, Jesus always completes his work. Always. He completed it in the life of this man in two steps or in three or four or five or how many you want to count in there. Not because he didn't have the power to do it in one step, but because life change is a journey that's unique to his story and that's unique to your and my story. But Jesus always completes his work. And he completed his work all the way to the cross. After Jesus spent a little more than 30 years on earth, he finally took the path to the cross, and he didn't want to die on that cross. He, he asked his father, he's like, God, I don't want to die on that cross. I don't want to go through this. But Jesus always completes his work. And the most important work he had to complete was to reconcile us with our father in heaven. To repair our relationship with God. The most important work he had to do was to die on a cross in our place so that we didn't have to face the penalty of sin. He carried it on that cross for us so that life change can truly happen inside of us. So that you and I do not, do not need to be a slave to our addictions, do not need to be a slave to our sin, do not need to be a slave to broken relationships anymore. He completed his work on a cross. And I want to tell you today that if you are just willing to open your life to him, he can complete his work in your life as well. So how can you stay on that journey? A journey of life change. There's two lessons that I learned from this story. The first, this guy was healed. You know why? Because his friends brought him to Jesus. If you want a journey with God, if you want to stay on this journey through ups and downs, through disappointments, and through joy, you need to have people in your life who will take you to Jesus when you're not capable of doing it yourself. You see, and that is why Christianity is not something that you can live on your own. It is something that we do together as a community. That's why we have coffee and tea and cookies so that we can spend time together. That's why we have community groups so that we are there for each other. So that when I am sometimes blind and I don't see God's plan for my life, that some people can can hook in and can take me to Jesus and say like, Louis, he's still for you, man. So that when you might be sick, so that there's people who can join in and say like, we can pray for you. So when you're going through a tough time and you don't even have the energy to get up and make a plate of food so that there are people who can come and bring some food for you and tell you, I will take you to Jesus. I will pray with you. You cannot go on this journey alone. You need to have people in community that can do this with you. But the second thing that I learned from him was that he stuck to this path. Even though he had to wait longer than he hoped for. Even though Jesus didn't heal him immediately, he followed Jesus into the field where he didn't know the path, but he went with Jesus. It's like, I wish it could have happened sooner, but I will go. 
He stuck with the path when Jesus spit on his eyes and he could have felt humiliated or he could have felt disgusted. He stuck with that path. He stuck with the path when Jesus said, can you see? And he's like, I can see something. He stuck with it all the way to the point when he could, where he could see again, when his life truly changed. And I want to tell you, you need to have friends. But above all, you need to have perseverance in the Christian faith. You need to say, like, no matter what happens, no matter how many ups or downs, no matter what crosses my path, I'm going to stick to this journey. It's a choice you have to make, not just today, but tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. Jesus will complete his journey in you, will complete his work in you if you are willing to stick to this journey with him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you never leave anything unfinished. You didn't leave the cross unfinished. You didn't leave the miracle that we just read about unfinished. And thank you that I know tonight that you will not leave the work in anyone sitting here unfinished. I pray for every person here tonight, Lord, who's hurting in some way, who's blind in some way. Relationships that might be falling apart, sin or addictions that might have a hold on their lives. Stress or anxiety. I pray for anyone who's felt like they cannot wait any longer. They need a miracle now. I pray for anyone who's, who's feeling uncertain. And I pray, Jesus, that you would do a miracle in our lives. I pray that you will come through for us. And that you will complete the work you have started in our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Louis Skippers, the lead pastor of Prodeo Church, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to this message today. If you felt inspired by it and you would like to see this continue, we would love to get some of your support. So follow one of the three links below. There's two for South African um, donors, one a SnapScan link and one our banking details. Or if you're an international listener, there's also a link for you to follow if you wanted to give. So from my side, thank you again and may God bless you.